It's Tuesday, August 29th. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And I'm Trayvell Anderson, and this is What a Day, the pod that wants Eminem to take it a step further with Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, the rapper just told the Republican presidential candidate to stop using his music. And Eminem, we really need you to just tell him to stop, period. Just all out stop. <laughs> On today's show, Florida braces for Hurricane Idalia, which makes landfall as early as tonight. Plus, we hear from the Watt Squad who are trans and scared for their own health care. I was afraid that if I didn't make the choice now to move forward with surgery, that the government would take away the opportunity at all. That's coming up. But first, a quick update on one of Trump's many, many cases, this one being the federal criminal trial in which he is charged with attempting to subvert the 2020 presidential election results on January 6th. A date has finally been set for that trial. It'll be on March 4th, 2024, so in about six months, and interestingly enough, the day before the Super Tuesday primary, which Josie really means it's just going to be even more chaotic of a time period. Honestly, how could it get more chaotic? And yet it will. <laughs> and yet it does. And yet it does. Every single time. Every single time. Yeah. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin made the decision Monday after a contentious back and forth in court in which Trump's defense counsel and the prosecution basically clashed on when the trial should begin. The prosecutors were pushing for a January start date at the very top of the year, saying that it is important to get the case going, in part because Trump, with his near daily social media posts, has, quote, publicly disparaged witnesses. He has attacked the integrity of the court and of the citizens of the District of Columbia who will make up the jury pool and could be swayed by his foolishness in his carrying on. Trump? Never. <laughs> so if January is what the prosecutors wanted, what date was Trump lobbying for? Yeah, so Trump's lawyers were trying to get an April 2026 start date, which is completely absurd, but also very much mirrors what we know to be Trump's legal MO, which is delay, delay, delay. But the judge wasn't having it, ultimately saying that a January 2024 date doesn't give the defendant time enough to prepare for trial, but that an April 2026 date was, quote, far beyond what is necessary. Honestly, I kind of admire the boldness of saying 2026. <laughs> so you mentioned that the start date is the day before Super Tuesday. How might that actually impact the case? Yeah, besides it being just hella complicated and chaotic for those of us who have to cover all of this, it really <laughs> is unclear. But Judge Tanya surely couldn't care less. She said that, quote, setting a trial date does not depend and should not depend on the defendant's personal or professional obligations. But she did note that she took into consideration the trial schedules for Trump's three other indictments. And this trial does currently overlap with the New York indictment, where Trump is charged with violating state laws regarding the maintaining of false books and records by concealing hush money payments. But as we've said entirely too much on the show covering this man already, all of this is super unprecedented. We don't know how any of this is really gonna net out because we're literally living through a case study and I happen to hate it all in case you were wondering, Josie. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's only gonna get more intense. And I have to say, like, I expect it to get delayed even more than March. So I have a feeling we'll be living in this nightmare for even longer than we have been. No, thank you. 
We've also got an update for you on Tropical Storm Idalia, which is headed towards the U.S. and is expected to become a major hurricane by the time it likely hits Florida later today. Experts have warned Florida residents to prepare for very severe weather, including a potentially deadly surge. The storm is expected to be particularly bad due to the abnormally hot water in the Gulf of Mexico. Climate change once again. It keeps showing up, Mm -hmm. even though... Some people would like us to believe that climate change isn't real. Mm. And yet we have yet another example. Mm-hmm. So where exactly in Florida is it expected to hit and where is it headed? It's kind of hard to predict, according to forecasters at the National Hurricane Center. But it is looking like it will hit the west coast of Florida. And winds are expected to be about 115 miles per hour when it makes landfall, which is, I mean, as you can imagine, just outrageous. That will make it a Category 3 storm, and anything higher than a Category 2 storm is considered major. Those same forecasters also said that there could be a storm surge, which means an abnormal rise in sea levels, up to 11 feet, which will, of course, mean flooding, damage to the coastline. High storm surges are the leading cause of death during hurricanes, actually, so... Mm. 11 feet storm surges are really expected to do some damage. As for where it's going, it's expected to hit southeast Georgia and then by Thursday, the eastern Carolinas. So listeners in that area, start taking precautions now to keep yourselves safe. Absolutely. In the meantime, what are Florida officials doing to prepare as they take the first hit? Well, Governor DeSantis is in Florida, having left the campaign trail to be in the state during the storm. Imagine that. President Biden has already declared the hurricane an emergency, and 1,100 members of the National Guard have been activated. Meanwhile, 46 of the state's 67 counties are currently under a state emergency declaration as of record time on Monday night, and schools in many counties are expected to be closed until Thursday. So everybody, stay safe from the storm. We're going to try to stay safe here in Atlanta, and we will keep you updated. That is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. Hawaii's electric utility on Sunday took partial responsibility for the recent wildfires in Maui, but appeared to fault the county for most of the destruction on the island. Its statement comes in response to a lawsuit by Maui County that blamed the utility for the deadly wildfire that tore through Lahaina and killed at least 115 people. To break it down for you, here's what the electric utility said happened. The first fire broke out in the early morning of August 8th, and it was caused by power lines that fell in high winds. Firefighters declared that fire 100% contained and left the scene. According to Hawaiian Electric, their power lines had been de-energized for more than six hours when the second fire started in the same area at about 3 p.m. The utility said its own crew members who were in the area making repairs spotted a small fire nearby and called 911 to report it. And when firefighters arrived, they were unable to contain the second fire before it spread to Lahaina and became the deadliest U.S. wildfire in more than a century. The utility did not provide a cause for the second fire. Meanwhile, officials with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives are looking into the origin of the fire itself. Former L.A. City Council member and County Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas was sentenced to three and a half years in prison yesterday. He was convicted on corruption charges in March and was also ordered to pay a $30,000 fine. While in office, Ridley Thomas voted to support county contracts that would have favored the University of Southern California. In exchange, one of the school's deans provided his son a full scholarship and a faculty job. 
And still more, Ridley Thomas and the dean, Marilyn Louise Flynn, worked together to funnel about $100,000 from a campaign fund through the school and into a nonprofit run by the former supervisor's son. His son, for the record, was forced to resign from the state assembly because of accusations of sexual harassment. Ridley Thomas was a longtime local politician with over three decades of public service, and handing down the sentence on Monday, U.S. District Court Judge Dale Fisher said in court that, quote, Ridley Thomas's motive was to benefit his son and himself. He was willing to portray the trust placed in him by the community to do so. And we've got more news on Spain's soccer chief, Luis Rubiales. Listen, we are just as sick of saying his name as you are of hearing it. But here we are. Mm -hmm. Now, the president of Spain's regional soccer federations have called for his resignation after they had an emergency meeting yesterday. Rubiales has been under fire ever since he kissed Spanish player Jenny Hermoso shortly after her team won the World Cup. Along with the mounting pressure to resign, Rubiales could face sexual aggression charges from Spanish prosecutors who are investigating him for sexual abuse. And to make this situation more bizarre, Rubiales's mother has locked herself in a church and said she is on a hunger strike to protest the treatment of her son. She said that she would continue her personal protest until the quote, inhuman, bloodthirsty witch hunt which my son is being subjected to comes to an end. I'd just like to say that this is probably not the time to be going on hunger strike. Look, I love a good protest. Well, but not this one. Not this one. This isn't the one. Sorry, friend. This is not the one, love. At all. The visual effects crew at Walt Disney Studios got one step closer to unionizing on Monday. They filed for a union election with the National Labor Relations Board. 80% of the crew's members have signed authorization cards, making it clear that they want to form a collective bargaining unit. The move comes after visual effects workers at Marvel Studios also filed for a union election. Those votes are being cast right now and will be counted on September 12th. If workers at Marvel and Disney win their elections, they'll join the ranks of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE. IATSE visual effects organizer Mark Patch released a statement on Monday saying, quote, Today, courageous visual effects workers at Walt Disney Pictures overcame the fear and silence that have kept our community from having a voice on the job for decades. And finally, let's give it up for trans activist Dylan Mulvaney. And the winner is... Dylan Dylan Mulvaney! She took home the trophy for Breakout Creator at the 2023 Streamy Awards. Mulvaney is known for her musical theater content as well as trans advocacy, like her popular TikTok series, Days of Girlhood. But she also became the target of harassment and anti-trans hate from conservatives after she promoted Bud Light in an Instagram post last summer. Here's what she had to say about that and more during her acceptance speech Sunday. There's also been an extreme amount of transphobia and hate and I know that my community is feeling it and I now know that even our allies are feeling it. And I look around this room and I just see so many amazing allies that have platforms and I think allyship right now needs to look differently and you need to support trans people publicly and proudly. And in a possible dig at the Bud Light foolishness, Mulvaney ended her speech with, quote, I'm gonna go have a beer and I love ya. It's a good joke. Very great joke. I would just like to note that I don't personally like Dylan's content and the fact that the conservatives have me out here applauding her and the work that she does. I really hate that for me, but the hate that she faced was completely absurd and uncalled for. And I'm glad that she is bouncing back and like Mm. sticking it to them in the ways that she is. Yes. 
And those are the headlines. We'll be back after some ads with the Wad Squad's own stories about how anti-trans hate has affected them and their loved ones. It's to the point where it doesn't feel safe to live here anymore. That is coming up. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it. And they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home because I'm not out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say <laughs> I did not know clothes could be, this is, I'm being dead honest. I did not know clothes could be as comfortable as they are before I had Viore. Yes. Clothes can be so comfortable. Nobody told me. Smooth like butter, soft. They're so good. On the skin. Skin. I, I just love living in Viore. Viore is offering What A Day listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash wad. And enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. What A Day is brought to you by Ramp. We are all looking for ways to simplify our finances. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that true? <laughs> or tax week? Man. That is why there's Ramp. Ramp is a corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Two things we love to do. Love that. With Ramp, you are able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Wow. This is huge. Yeah. Ramp is super easy to use. Get started and start making payments in less than 15 minutes. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash wad, ramp.com slash wad, R-A-M-P dot com slash wad. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC, terms and conditions apply. What a day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's Tuesday, Wad Squad, and to wrap up, we're making some space in today's show for you, our wonderful and fabulous listeners. Earlier this year, we asked you to send us a voice note or message if someone you love has been impacted by anti-trans or anti-LGBTQ plus legislation in your state. And today, we wanted to share some of the responses that we got. But to do that, we wanted to bring on the producer behind this project. You have heard their name in the credits. It's our very own... Raven Yamamoto. Raven, welcome to WAD. Pew, 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 pew. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me out of my cage in the shadows so I can be <laughs> yeah. on the mic. I'm so enthused to be here. You're making us sound like we torture you, and we don't. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so let's get started. Walk us through some of the responses that we got. 
First, we have a voice note from one of our listeners named Bailey. Bailey is a trans man from Texas who got part one of his bottom surgery earlier this year. Super exciting. But shortly afterwards, he found out that the next phases of his care might have been in jeopardy. That's because of a proposed law that would essentially require that health insurers no longer cover gender-affirming care in Texas. Take a listen. I was extremely lucky to have stage one of my bottom surgery this January. My surgery... Uh, Just stage one had cost $190,000 and it had been almost completely covered by insurance. Everything went extremely well, but even with that, it was still the most grueling and difficult experience and recovery I have ever had in my life. The day that my doctor's office called to schedule the second stage of my surgery, I declined and I explained I really, really wanted to take a long time before my next stage to just enjoy not feeling like a walking medical wound. Literally an hour later, I found out about State Bill 1029. I would absolutely not be able to afford future stages if this bill passed. I immediately called my surgeon and explained that despite my mental and emotional need to have some time off from surgeries, I was afraid that if I didn't make the choice now to move forward with surgery that the government would take away the opportunity at all. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, State Bill 1029 didn't move forward during this latest legislative session, but I'm still moving forward with my surgery this November despite how absolutely burned out I am from the several surgeries I've already had. I'm very privileged and lucky that this is the extent of how the laws have affected me. And I know several people are much more worse off. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is that the folks in these state legislatures across the country are making it seem like it is so easy and Mm -hmm. so quick of Mm -hmm. a decision, right? Right. To live as our truths as trans people. And I think what Bailey is sharing, right, is that it's actually a whole long, extended, grueling, somewhat traumatic process, right, to go through everything that we have to go through to get this type of, like, life-saving, affirming care. And it's also a reminder, like, does anybody just get surgery Mm willy-nilly of any kind? That's not something that people do, Mm -hmm. especially in the healthcare system we have. People don't choose to get medical intervention without thinking about it, without needing it, without it affecting their day-to-day life. This idea that you would get on TikTok and tomorrow decide to get serious medical intervention, Mm -hmm. like it's just doesn't add up with anything we know about people. Yeah, it's absolutely just heartbreaking, I think, to also think about how personal such a decision is that you Mm -hmm. weigh heavily on your mind for so many hours of your day and to feel like that has to be rushed and that you can't Mm -hmm. take the amount of care that you'd like to with your own Mm -hmm. body, your mind, and your spirit. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine having to do that under duress. Mm. Yeah. And it should be a really joyful process also, right? Like this is something Mm -hmm. that like should be something that you are excited about and like can move at your own pace with. But I feel like just the fear of it just not being in reach anymore is like enough to make people be like, well, even though I'm absolutely uncomfortable and I don't want to do it this fast and feel like it would really impact my quality of life, I have to. Like there's Mm -hmm. no other choice that I have. And having the choice is just so important. So really heartbreaking stuff. Um, We also have a listener, an anonymous listener from Florida who spoke about the impact of their state's block on gender affirming care for adults. Take a listen to that one. My partner is a trans man and within two weeks of DeSantis signing into law some of his hateful bills, he is already struggling to get his testosterone and being rescheduled and moved around and having to ration his medication. And it's unbelievable and it's to the point where it doesn't feel safe to live here anymore. 
I'm pansexual myself and I feel like I can't even be proud. I have an equality sticker on my car and even that worries me. This is the goal, right? Is Mm -hmm. to scare people, to make them live in fear, to make them live in silence. The tone of this legislation is like, these people aren't scared enough. Mm. They're living too proudly. They're not ashamed enough. And I think the difference between shame and fear is really relevant here Mm -hmm. because you cannot be ashamed, but you can be scared in your own home because this sort of hate is being fostered and fomented. I know that DeSantis and everybody else, they think that this type of legislation will stop trans people from being trans and from existing. But the reality is that it's just going to drive more and more folks to the black market and to create testosterone and estrogen passing communities in ways, to be clear, that trans people have done before, prior to an era where you can get greater access in various different ways. But it's not going to stop trans people from getting the care that we need. It's just going to force us to find a way or make one. Not that they care about thinking this deeply about the impact of their laws, but this is one of the many ways in which we're going to see the impact show up. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, it's so important to refer and, like, really acknowledge that gender-affirming care is life-saving care as well, right? Mm -hmm. These are things that we need. They're not just things that we want or elect to have. They're absolute necessities to us. And forcing us to resort to other ways to get these things is inherently making us even less safe than we already aren't. Mm -hmm. And it also, again, like the whole thing about it being like gender-affirming care for adults is the craziest part to me. Mm -hmm. Banning it from kids wasn't good enough. They really want to get rid of like transness as a whole. And I think that's just like so Mm -hmm. evident. And they swore it was just about kids. I mean, they they swore swore up and down it was Mm -hmm. just about children. (laughs) And everybody knew what this was actually about. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening. Absolutely. And finally, we have another trans listener who would like to remain anonymous. They wrote to us about how they moved across the country when lawmakers in their home state began considering several anti-trans laws. They're currently somewhere safer, but described how difficult of a decision it was for them to leave. So they said, quote, I had to leave my family and friends behind and everything I'm familiar with. We don't want to be in the state that we're in. It has such a high cost of living, but I'd rather be poor here than be prosecuted there. And that's the decision we had to make. Mm. We're lucky in that we were able to get our documents changed and we were able to escape, but now I can't see my family and we feel trapped. (sighs) If I could say anything to others going through this, stay aware, stay informed. We as trans people have a unique ability to be adaptable. We will survive, end quote. This person saying that they rather be poor in the state that they're in now than prosecuted in Florida or whatever state they were in prior to. That's a really wild thing to say, Mm -hmm. but I think it conveys the severity of decision making that people are having to do. Those are not inherently two choices that anybody should have to make. Yes. Well, we want to say special thank you to those three listeners who shared their stories with us. We're wishing you all the best as you navigate these incredibly difficult and scary times. Before you go, Raven, this project is a very personal one for you. Would you like to explain to the people why? I would love to. I've been working for WAD for almost two years now. And what I'm really most proud of when it comes to our show is our consistent but also diverse coverage of trans issues, whether it be from anti-trans legislation to representation in the media. 
everyone by We See Each Other, a black trans journey through TV and film by Travell Anderson. Period. Please do immediately. <laughs> I was legally obligated to say that. Whether it's from like anti-trans legislation, representation in the media, or just instances of trans joy, it's been such rewarding work. And I'm trans myself and working on trans stories, mostly with you, Travell, over the past several months to just highlight our voices and the real harm that legislative attacks cause our bodies, our minds, and our spirits have really helped me feel like I'm doing my part in the fight against hate. And I truly couldn't have asked for a better partner in crime. But on a personal note, something I actually haven't shared with the two of you just yet is that I recently started the process of getting top surgery. I've taken some of those first steps mm -hmm. and it's really exciting to think about finally getting it someday after wanting it for as long as I could remember. But actually making progress is really hard from finding out if your insurance covers it, mm -hmm. if they even have a department for transgender healthcare services, mm -hmm. to getting clearance from a bunch of doctors, to finding a surgeon. And I live in California where there is not a single law getting in my way. No one is telling me that I can't do it. So I can't even really begin to imagine how much more difficult it is for trans and queer people in these red states where seeking out or providing this kind of care has become a crime if it hasn't already, right? So right. I really wanted to share our platform with our listeners who feel comfortable sharing what that experience has been like and the real impact it's had on their lives. And I'm just really proud of everyone who did write in and trusted us to handle their stories with care because it must mean that we're doing something right. So it's been really just an honor to receive them. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that tidbit of information. You did not have to with mm -hmm. the entire freaking world. Mm -hmm. And I also <laughs> have been super overjoyed to be able to do these stories with you. Aww. We don't have a lot of trans journalists doing stories on transness. And so that's one of the things that brings me a lot of joy about doing this work. And thank you so much for everything you bring to the podcast, mm. even beyond the trans coverage, because you bring so much to us. That's exactly right. Nice. And we were not legally obligated to say that. <laughs> this is true love coming from us. We appreciate you so much. And we're so glad to have you on the pod. And we thank you for coming. Absolutely. Anytime. As we've said before, if you have a story like the ones we just heard today, our inbox is always open. So send a voice note or written response to raven at cricket.com with your name, where you're from, and how you've been impacted. And if you prefer to remain anonymous, just let us know. Two more things before we go. One quick thing. We wanted to clarify something about yesterday's latest. One of the prosecutors I talked about, Erima Sayala, was removed from death penalty eligible cases by the governor. She wasn't removed from her job as prosecutor, but as a result, she decided not to run for re-election. Also, abortion is on the ballot yet again in 2023. In Virginia, we've got to maintain a majority in at least one chamber of the legislature against totally moderate suburban dad Glenn Youngkin's anti-abortion agenda. Meanwhile, Ohioans are voting to codify reproductive freedom in the state constitution. Visit votesaveamerica.com to see how you can get involved and learn more right now. And while your browser is already open, head to cricket.com store to check out shirts like bodily autonomy, bros for row, and more so you can be the most stylish volunteer out there. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, reassure us that there's a Spanish word for consent, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just writing to Raven like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Trayvell Anderson. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And, and Vivek, Vivek, Use Kid, Kid Rock. Rock. Listen, he's already on your side. 
I'm sure he'll be happy about it. If there's a built-in person for idiots to use on the campaign trail, why don't they just do it? He had that one song. What song is that, Josie? I don't remember, (laughs) but I'm not going to be at the rally anyway. What do I need to know for? (laughs) What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producers, Itzy Quintanilla, Raven Yamamoto, and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers, and our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty stores and Ulta.com.